Captain America's first movie, Narnia closes its doors in a very community Christmas this week on 30 2010. Welcome everyone to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you back through three decades of uh, pop culture anniversaries, movies, TV, music, video games, and so very much more. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, and this is the most important Christmas in history, and I'm assuming that's why we're all stop motion animated. Yeah. <laughs> it's me, Sarah. Yeah, I'm so excited for to talk about that. That's one of my favorite things that comes out this week. Um, we are talking about the week of December 4th through the 10th in this week in pop culture history, and we're going to be going through the years of 1990, 2000, and 2010 to see what happened in that one-week span across three decades. Uh, if you've never heard of the show, this lets us talk about an incredible uh, diverse amount of stuff, and there's so many fun things that happen this week, especially right off the top uh, where we start in 1990. But before we get into it, just want to plug uh, our patrons at patreon.com slash laser time and especially executive producers like uh, Wes Green. Hey, I talked to you this week. Um, thank you so much for your support. Five bucks is all we ask. Um, we give you guys a bunch of stuff in return, including a video game show with the Video Game Apocalypse Boys and hopefully Chris Baker. I'm behind on that, I know, but it's been a really terrible week and a really terrible year. But uh, thanks for listening. <laughs> you want to you look back, reflect on a much better year, baby, 1990. We got to talk about 1990, December 4th through the 10th. Uh, such as this exciting thing, hopefully Diana will explain. We're going to get, this is a little news to, before we start with the movies and TV. The FDA approves Norplant? Norplant? Yeah, Norplant is the first new kind of birth control in like 20 years. Wow, uh, so ignorant. It's long lasting, <laughs> up to five years. It was these little like plastic matchsticks full of progesterone and they would implant them in your upper arm and, uh, and then you couldn't get pregnant. They are not available in the U.S. anymore. Why is that? Because of a couple reasons. One was uh, side effects. There were a bunch of side effects people didn't really like, and you just got shit implanted in you. You can't really test drive it, Purse, because it's for like five years. Uh, And there was also some really shady shit going on with politicians saying, oh, well, if you lose custody of your kids, we should make you get this for you to get welfare. Yeah. Eugenics. It's always a great platform. It's fucking eugenics. Yeah, people <laughs> thought about ways to use it as eugenics thing. So, I mean, it just generally was unpopular. It's still available hither and yon. Uh, there's a, an improved version that lasts three years that involves less in- things under your skin. <laughs> Installation. But- <laughs> yeah, it was It was a big, it was a step forward. The idea of like, let's have long lasting idiot-proof birth control. All right. Mm-hmm. You don't need pills every month for every, to take every day. You just, you get the thing and you're done. Yeah. I mean, there were, they did have IUDs at this point, which are also yeah. super long-lasting and, and foolproof, certainly, but um, it's just always good to have options, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you're a busy lady on the go. <laughs> <laughs> or, or an ignorant man who's hearing about most of the stuff for the first time. I apologize, okay. ladies. <laughs> Uh, let me know if there's a popsicle stick tent I can set up on my urethra. I will totally do it. I will get to the lab immediately. Yeah, I know you guys don't believe me. Um, also in the news this week, Serbia holds first election since declaring independence. Elects Slobodan Milosevic. Who, uh, oh boy. 
Good news and bad news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not good when your first president um, ends up in the Hague for uh, crimes against humanity. You gotta but... do a do-over at that point. Like, mm -hmm. oh, it's the first pancake theory, <laughs> you know? <laughs> first pancake uh... is like terrible usually has mm -hmm. to go to prison for war crimes yes I was the other pancakes that follow are way better ah and, i see but then you know uh flip side Lech Walesa is uh elected president of non-soviet poland uh and he's a cool guy i believe he got the nobel Peace prize at some point uh, yeah like well is a cool dude no war crimes on him pretty sure okay so since i know nothing about that we gotta head into the movies december 4th to the 10th of movies of 1990 home alone is still number one at the box office. I just watched it in glorious 4K, and I noticed two things I'd never seen before. Happy to report, if you look really closely in the McAllister's basement, you can see their giant pile of Halloween decorations. What Halloween decorations do the richest people in the world have who also paint their walls to be Christmas colored? <laughs> You're going to need a 4K version. Um, man, this sucks. I saw so many people suddenly noticing, oh, the mom from Home Alone is the mom from uh, Shit's Creek. I can't kidding? believe it. And I'm like, okay, first of all, that's the mom from Beetlejuice. That's the mom from Beetlejuice. Exactly. Hello. And second of all, we need to educate the children. Yeah, she's the weird woman from the entire Christopher Guest trilogy. What are you doing? What are you doing, Come people? On. No, learn that fucking name. Yeah. She's Cookie from okay. Best in Show. People. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, you probably had sex with her. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that aside, uh, I'm mad because I... I Maniac Cop was one of the movies I watched during Halloween with my Shutter subscription, but I had I did not dive back into Maniac Cop Two uh, with Claudia Christian, Robert Davy, and, and the beautifully, wonderfully faced Robert Zadar. Holy Lord! He has like three people's faces yeah. in one face. Yeah, he he looks he looks like a human video game creator character. Um, I'm, I hope I'm not <laughs> making fun of his any of his maladies, but it, he, he's great as a monster, a Frankenstein cop who murders other cops. Who's got a problem yep. with that in 2020? Uh, yeah, and this one, I think there's a point where he teams up with like a serial killer. Oh shit! Who's like killing sex workers? So oh, he's still a maniac on, on the front. <laughs> still maniac, and uh, Scott. Wow, he died in Pensacola, my hometown. That's right. Huh. Um, and Scott Weird. also out this week. Holy shit! I tried to sit all the way through this. This is a rough one. But it's fa it's fascinating <laughs> if you can skip around. And it's free on YouTube, so feel free. Scott Paul and Ned Beatty, Ronnie Cox, and Matt Salinger. Ooh, Captain America. Where'd you get your guinea pig? Happens to be the best damn candidate out of 600 volunteers. A secret experiment gave one man the strength of a hundred. The rest of the world, he's just codenamed Captain America. And the power to save millions. The Jerry's had an experimental rocket ready to fire at a target somewhere in the United States. Only he could defeat a superhuman madman. They got a fella called the Red Skull heading up their outfit. All we can hope to get in there is one good man. But saving the world left him trapped in an icy grave until fate released him to finish a battle started decades ago. Yeah, he's still alive. I'm, I'm just shocked they ca they kept all this in. This is the kind of stuff Hollywood always changes. But yeah, yeah, Captain America fighting Nazis and being frozen in ice in Alaska. It's one of the silliest sequences I've ever seen. I do encourage you to watch that as Red Skull ties him to a missile which is headed towards the White House, but he kicks the fin and narrowly avoids riding a missile into the White House and ends up in Alaska. Like, that's a huge misfire. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is silly as all get out. I think this began as a Golan Globus joint 
and mm-hmm. slowly migrated way it migrated its way to something nearly legitimate. I don't think America will see this movie for two years, but uh, right. And it's, so I think it's just straight to video or run on TV. But yeah. everyone else got it as a as theatrical release. And I saw in the Philippines it's called like Batman because like <laughs> there's no concept of Captain America in the Philippines. And it is at this point like look the Captain America movies I think are the most redeemable MCU Marvel solo films. I don't spend a lot of yeah. time going back and watching this. But the Captain America trilogy is fucking excellent, and that's only because of Ed Brubaker's Winter Soldier and the stuff he did in Civil War. Captain America was kind of a cornball back then. I'm not really sure why they bothered to adapt this, but they were trying with the same company to get Spider-Man off the ground for years and years. We did a whole podcast about that a few years ago. The troubled production in Canon Films and Stan Lee's relationship. Um, but this... Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting how many things like I recognized from the yeah. MCU, so I know, like, oh, this must be from the comics. The idea that it's like... Uh, he's a he's a normal guy who becomes a super soldier, or he's you know he's like a little guy with polio, and he becomes you know the super soldier, mm-hmm. and then the guy who did it is killed by the Axis, and then there's the Red Skull who like has the same powers as him, and then he gets frozen, uh, you know because he had crashed a thing, and then he comes back, and it turns out like the government is secretly run by this you know Red Skull aligned group who are like wow. behind every bad thing that's ever happened, and. Uh, and, and there's a scene where someone pulls out a VHS of someone else's family getting murdered. <laughs> and I'm like, I remember that scene from Civil War, you sons of bitches. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. the movie itself is cheesy and bad. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 I think, it's pretty bad. It's and so I think hard. it's it's, it's not... so hard to make Captain America fun because th- that outfit, man. The outfit, it looks like paint on his body. L- like not so much an outfit. And it's the one time I've, like truly, wow! I didn't know this was the character you really needed CG for. It looks, it operates like a Chuck Norris movie, like almost all the way. Just a beefy guy slowly rolling around under gunfire with a shield. Mm. But the the floppy weightlessness of the practical shield when it is thrown and bounces is horrifyingly stupid, and will make you appreciate every single piece of computer imagery used in the Captain America films. And, and it's this- like. In a movie where like someone's drinking a cup of coffee, but it's obviously like su- there's nothing in there. Yes, yeah, it, it's mm, just like it's so a, distracting. It's a little bit of nothing. It never moves that fast. Neither does Captain America, and it really made me appreciate like the little touches they do in Winter Soldier and Civil War to make Captain America like move like a real badass, but seem plausible yeah. as a human man. Yeah, well, you got to take those little wings off his head. Okay. There's just watching them. All I can do is watch him wobble around. It's so funny how just rubbery and silly they are. Yeah, it's just so silly. And it's I just double checked. We get to talk about Captain America First Avenger in like six months. And it's going to be fun to contrast and compare. Yeah. Because, yeah, I think they did the most work. Either Captain America or Thor to like, how, how do you make this not stupid? Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> yet still, it still be far. true to itself. And those movies were like back to back, weren't they? Same summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, holy shit! Yeah, I believe we have Thor and then Captain America. Mm. That's, no, that's looking forward to one more than the other. Uh, this next movie, I believe I saw with uh, Sarah's husband. Uh, oh, long ago. Fucking hell! Yeah. Do I have things to say about this? Yeah, movie? this movie's great. Uh, Laura Flynn Boyle, Thank you. Tom Skerritt, Sonia Braga, Raul Julia as a German, uh, Charlie Sheen, and Clint Eastwood in The Rookie. Shoot her. 
shooter now. The best buddy cop movie of the year. Clint Eastwood and Charlie Sheen are the new dynamic duo. It's time for me to stop being scared. For other people to start. Tough and gritty. Fasten your seatbelt. It fires with a full clip. Clint Eastwood and Charlie Sheen are terrific together. Clint Eastwood, Charlie Sheen, the rookie, rated R. Can't try it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what this fucking movie. <laughs> I, I, we didn't get all the way through it honestly. I was like, this is both unpleasant and boring. Yeah, and it should be called Toxic Masculinity too. The sequel, yeah. basically. <laughs> And the only reason I was even kind of interested in watching it is that I'm I'm really into Raul Julia right now because <laughs> I just watched both the Adams families and nice. yeah, bro. Why is he and Sonia Braga playing <laughs> Germans? They're bad guys from another country. Yeah. It's 1990. Wrong side They're of the hemisphere and continent. They should be Colombian. Yeah. But Raul Julia from Puerto Rico and Sonia Braga from Brazil, who both have accents. I love every now and then Raul Julia says the instead of the, and that's how you can tell he's German. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Uh, it they, was so stupid. Yeah. It's it's hella stupid, but it's directed. I thought this was an entry in the Dirty Harry series, and I, I'm guessing it might as well be. That was sort it of really intentional because I also saw that rookie. Was it the Enforcer? I saw that with Sarah's husband too. That's almost the same fucking plot, just in in San Francisco instead of L.A. And I have to wonder: Did Clint Eastwood just want to make his own Dirty Harry, like keep all the money and not have to pay all the people involved with the creation of Harry Callahan? It, it's essentially a, the the last Dirty Harry movie. Just with yeah. Charlie Sheen instead of Time Daily. And yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, he's he's still ridiculously trigger happy, mm-hmm. uh, constantly punching and threatening people. And I, after a while, I just started watching to see like, does he do any actual police work? Mm. And the answer is no. <laughs> he's only threatening people extra legally and what? shooting at them and threatening them, giving them fake drugs in exchange for information. Uh, yeah, he's a terrible, terrible cop. <laughs> And Charlie Sheen is, you know, the wet behind the ears guy who's got to follow along with him. And he treats us, treats him like shit, too. Yeah. yeah. He's also For a no reason. Guy. Yeah. He's just an asshole. He's a deeply violent asshole. <laughs> but the, the effects in this, the, some of the stunts in this movie are. Okay. There are some really good. Absolutely incredible. Because it, it's like a, it's a car movie, right? Like it's about. Well, yeah. Yeah. About stealing cars. Right. Car so thing. there's yeah. a lot of that. And that is, that was kind of impressive but i mean you couldn't build a movie that i am less interested in than a clint eastwood joint about cars google google or sorry youtube youtube mercedes the rookie when that thing's come shooting out of a four-story building with a fireball on every side like i had to read like is that real holy fuck that's a huge explosion (laughs) it is is very real and a very dangerous stunt that they pulled off in addition to like Throwing cars off of like a car carrier on the actual yeah. LA freeway onto the freeway. It, it's yeah, there's that's stuff. The, yeah, the stunt driving was all really good. It it is oddly boring where not a lot happens. He just sort of walks around harassing the bad guy. He doesn't even have to find out who the bad guy is. He knows at the beginning of the movie. Oh, Raul Julia is the bad guy, and then just sort of harasses him for a while, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. eventually he gets kidnapped by them, and then that's where things get really strange because there is. <laughs> There is a scene where Sonia Braga rapes him. Yeah. And it's uh, shot pretty disturbingly. And then afterwards, of course, treated like a joke. Mm. Like, ha ha, you got laid. And it's like, dude, he should be super traumatized right now. 
I mean, that's why there's I, I, I watched the ending sequence and I just couldn't believe like there's this Charlie Charlie Sheen takes down the bad guy, shoots him in the chest and shoulder to where they're unarmed and out of bullets and just walks up point blank and shoots them in the face. And it's, yeah. it's just like, oh, yeah, the 80 cops vibe. Got to love this Reagan era cop shit bleeding in the 1990s. Oh. Uh. Yeah, into the 2000s, yes, into the 2000s. <laughs> Never yeah, really went I'd, away. Yeah, this was. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's a dirty, hairy movie under another name, uh, just as uncomfortable. Not not as much fun, except for the driving stuff. But I mean, it, it did okay at the box office. It got pretty bad reviews overall, mm-hmm. and I'm really happy that Clint Eastwood reevaluated his directing career yeah. and. Finally got a script that he really wanted to make off the ground. And next time we see him, he's making literally his best film Yeah, I, in I, two years time. I almost so. want to ap- applaud him for not going back to the, he, I'm, isn't it shocking? He's never done Harry Callahan again. Like he's still alive and making movies. Every other person like sliced alone, they're all going back to the well. And he, mm-hmm. he did an unforgiven to subvert that trope in that character. So yeah. As much as I want to hate on Clint Eastwood sometimes, he makes some interesting choices as a filmmaker. And I am, we all should be shocked he hasn't done Dirty Harry again for a new generation. Yeah. Oh, that'd be so unnecessary. But oh, ugh, if you saw that God. Bruce Willis death wish, like I wouldn't put it past whatever Republican movie studio is putting movies in Walmarts. Um, mm. But I, I can't. Yeah. yeah. The rookie. So bad. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. So bad. It it, it, just that, like, uh, you know, I was reading like this movie got its ass kicked by Home Alone. Like, yeah, not because Home Alone's so much better. It just feels like were these movies made in the same decade? This is a very, very (laughs) '80s movie. Yeah, we are kind of getting into that Mm -hmm. part, though. I think of the decade where thing everything could go either way. Yeah, you know, movies are definitely having a feel of like it's either one, it's either the '80s or it's the '90s, like. Oh. Which I mean, duh. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah, like yeah, certain totally. movies have a very I, distinctive I, I, feel. I put the marker in, yeah. in in last year at Batman. Like Batman yeah. comes yeah. out and is instantly like this feels like a different era of filmmaking. And then we had to watch Weekend at Bernie's a week later. And like, how were these <laughs> out in the same month? That doesn't make any sense. But uh, yeah, we're all witnessing that. The, the, the hangover of the '80s is still upon us. But uh, mm-hmm. as we move into television, the 90s are in full swing because The Simpsons rules and has one of its more classic episodes air. It is Bart the Daredevil, the episode where Bart is inspired by, uh, oh, I forgot his name, Lance something, to jump the Springfield Gorge and may have more callbacks than any joke. And Simpsons is, as the show goes on, like a dozen years in, it has things that remain consistent. But like that gorge has been brought up again and again. And if you've watched the Simpsons movie, the ambulance that crashes into the tree and sends Homer back down the gorge is still there 20 years later. Um, yeah. It's, well, it's bones a, heal and chicks dig scars. It's, it's one of the most famous episodes of the Simpsons with one of the most favorite, the most famous sequences in the Simpsons of this era. <laughs> it's one of those sequences. I, we need a name for this. I think mm-hmm. of all kinds of other sequences where something goes on for so long it stops being funny and yeah, then yeah. comes back around to being funny even more the longer and more painful it becomes. It's the family guy that. principle. <laughs> it's, it's the what? The family guy principle. Ah. And yeah, mm. ladies and gentlemen, Conway Twitty, full song. And you feel yourself <laughs> getting mad and then you start, you start smiling again. Uh, <laughs> but I was also, as a personal anecdote and historical anecdote, I was taping every single episode. And one of the coolest things I'd ever seen, I 
young, didn't realize it was based on a real thing. When the Simpsons go to see the the Daredevil initially, they're going to like a monster truck show featuring Truckosaurus. Truckosaurus, the and like is based on what Robosaurus, an actual truck looking thing that eats other trucks at fucking <laughs> tractor pulls and shit. My parents would not take me to these things despite making me grow up in the South. So I've always resented them <laughs> for that. But uh, I never got to go oh to that. But I'm, I'm taping every episode. Hmm. Just to interrupt you, does that mean this has one of my favorite lines ever? Like, if you're not there, you better be dead or in jail. jail. Yes. And if you're in jail, <laughs> break, break out. out. <laughs> uh, yeah. I say that all the fucking time for things that have nothing to do with it. Yeah, you better be dead or in jail. And I, I, I was, uh, I taped it, and I thought I taped it wrong because I never saw the resolution, and I didn't realize until years later they cut out several minutes of this episode on this initial airing because it had a very special thing to air at the end of The Simpsons. This will lead us into music eventually. The Michael Jackson penned Do the Bartman music video promoting the album Simpsons Sing the Blues. This is one of two times this will happen on The Simpsons, where a show will be cut short so they can air a music video uh, for The Simpsons album. We did an entire Laser Time about the album where we go through every track, including the Yellow album, the follow-up to this that was shelved for over a decade, uh, and then finally quietly released in a... It's a very embarrassing album because they're making this shit in the wake of The Simpsons' initial first season success. And I believe Brad Bird directs this music video. And he said he had no time. And it's odd to look at, if, if I could go back and look at that tape, because everything's in... Millhouse has brown hair. A lot of things are inconsistent. They're clearly working with different resources here. But the Do the Bartman video also premieres right after Bart the Daredevil. And it uh, uh-huh. makes me very, very happy. Uh, Saturday Night Live this week, your host, Tom Hanks and Edie Brickell and the New Bohemians. Um, and I think Sarah had listed Hanks is inducted into a, a prestigious club that gets its very, very first mention tonight. If you're a big SNL nerd. The fourth time, the fourth time you do the show. Well, you're just blatantly pushing a movie. But the fifth time, <laughs> the fifth time you do the show is the most special of all because you get one of these, a membership card in the Five Timers Club. (laughs) I want you to come with me right now, and I'm going to give you a chance to look in on one of the most exclusive clubs in the world. (laughs) Yes, this is the first time. I love all the Five Timers Club sketches. Uh, Mm -hmm. They always make me laugh a lot, and I know SNL is super cameo-heavy these days. It was not back then. This was pretty nuts to go into the Five Timer Club where his coat is removed by a man by the name of Sean, who is actually Conan O'Brien. Um, <laughs> it's Conan O'Brien who introduces him to Paul Simon, Elliot Gould, and I really, I got a huge kick out of this. Well, Tom, old bean, that robe fits you smashing. Oh, wow. <laughs> Thanks, Mr. Martin. Oh, please, call me Mr. Steve Martin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so that's, you can hear in the audience, like, no one expected someone as huge as Steve Martin to show up randomly behind a newspaper and Tom, Tom Hanks's monologue. <laughs> Meanwhile, Tom Hanks just like randomly showed up in the rocks monologue like last year. So this kind of thing happens all the time now. Uh, sorry. I just had to highlight it. And, uh, lastly on this, I meant to like, I would very much like to watch this with my mother, yeah. a huge, uh, Oz fan. 
by that I mean the HBO prison drama. No, uh, the the the, uh, the TV movie, The Dreamer of Oz, the Frank the L. L. Frank Baum story, um, starring John Ritter, Annette O'Toole, and Rule McClanahan. They were just in it together. Is L. Frank Baum like a scary clown? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to it was some... like a month ago. Oh, I'm thinking of Lewis Carroll. Um, no, <laughs> but here's a little. The clip. most popular story of all time. It landed on a wicked witch. Now NBC presents the untold story of the man who created this American classic. And he lived in a little cottage in the forest. The people who inspired him. You ready to work right now? I'm your man, Mr. Baum. Who are you? What's your name? Go ahead. The dream that captivated the world. The Land of Oz. Starring Annette O'Toole. I I try and uh, just the shift in the culture into what it is now. I feel like not a day in my life went by where I didn't hear about Wizard of Oz or hear a reference to it. (laughs) Yeah, it was was everywhere for so long. It's kind of wild. But, I mean, when you look at L. Frank Baum's life, he was so prolific. Like, I don't know that people know that the Oz novels alone have 14 novels in the series. My mother collects Oz books. I had no idea. (laughs) There's an entire shelf that I will throw away when she dies. (laughs) (laughs) And apparently he was very, he's kind of a jack of all trades for a while. Um, So I guess he did have like a pretty interesting life. The promo that I pulled, if you watch it, kind of looks like an episode of fairy tale theater, which was one of my favorite things growing <laughs> up. Like it just looked very fantastical and fun. Um, and I was kind of looking into it, L. Frank Baum's like background and life. Cause I don't really know much about him, but my favorite line from his Wikipedia just says at 20 Baum took on the national craze of breeding fancy poultry. What? <laughs> <laughs> this chicken has a monocle. <laughs> Yes, as you do, you know. At twenty, you get in get your twenties, start getting really into like right, chicken husbandry. Yeah. Oh, it was so embarrassing. So embarrassing. Man, I look back on it. It's like, okay, first pogs and then fancy <laughs> pheasants and then chickens. Oh our dorm was the worst. It's uh, eggs for days. What the fuck? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, video games. Uh, I know we're late on the video game show, patreon.com slash laser time. Um, but uh, I'm going to spoil an anecdote that I know Michael and I have. Um, we both worked for an early video game website for a major company. And we had a UK branch. And whenever we'd come up with, try to come up with best of lists of like best of all time, uh, best console, like we talked to our European guys and they're just all like dizzy egg games and so- like, what the fuck? What is wrong with you people? Why do we have to argue all this Nintendo stuff? And it was sort of like Nintendo never really penetrated Europe that well. And Sega did, including this week with the Sega Mega Drive releasing in Europe. Yeah, they were, they were way, all the UK team was way bigger Sega, Sega fanboys and like, we like Sega okay, but like, holy shit. What, what, it wasn't until like, I think the Nintendo 64 that like the whole world was talking about this Nintendo games together. Uh, interesting to think about. And I could be wrong on that, but I'm sure Michael Wikipars uh, will, will correct me. And uh, music out this week. New releases include, oh Jesus, MCMXC by AD by Enigma. Uh, one for all by brand new <laughs> Uh, I feel like I'd get in trouble if I didn't read that off a sheet. Uh, and and Simpsons Sing the Blues, one of my yeah. second or third cassette and my second CD. I I had this album a lot. It is fucking terrible. It, it's <laughs> so bad, and it's so inexplicable. Like it's, they're not 
fun songs. Like they have serious songs on there. Like, you know, God bless the child is on there. Yeah. I didn't need Lisa Simpson singing God bless the child. Or, or Homer singing an old blues song about he's been down since he learned to crawl or Homer yeah. Smithers and Burns singing about releasing the hounds. But again, all they had to go on was this show was a huge hit. We we need to milk this because who knows how long it's going to be around. And we don't know a lot about our characters yet. And then we get Simpson sing the blues. I will never forget it. I owned uh, many copies of it. But we will close out of the segment with Steve. B.B. King was on him singing Born Under the Bad, Born Under a Bad Sign. Born Under a Bad Sign, which yes. Which was originally sung by his brother, Albert King. B.B. King had a Fucking B.B. King to I... play a serious song <laughs> with a cartoon character. Yeah. Yeah. BB King, the only uh, the only person who has ever signed an autograph to our podcast specifically. Thank you, Sam. <laughs> dear dear Laser Time, like okay, I love that we're all Laser Aww. Time. Uh, but thank you, Sam, for that. That's a real thing that we have. And be, we'll close out this segment of the 1990s with Stevie B, uh, formerly our favorite pizza buffet place. Oh, uh, rest in peace, Stevie B, uh, because uh, because I love you, the Postman song. Which I don't automatically know in my head, but that Postman song is a giveaway, isn't it? No, no? it's not. It's not what I was thinking it was going to be like at all. It's, you know, it's a heartfelt slow jam. Oh, gross. Gross. Fine. Uh, we'll close. Fine. You don't want to close with Simpson Sing the Blues? Fine. <laughs> we'll close the show with that. Don't think you're getting away from that. Okay, good, good. I, I know that album too well, but we'll be right back with the year 2000. Oh! One of my favorite movies I never thought we'd get a chance to talk about here. Neat. Because I love you, and I'll do anything. I'll give you my heart, my everything. Coming into 2000 with, is this Rage Against the Machine's final album? I think it might be. It is. You know a band is is not uh, getting along if they go from incredibly popular and prolific into an all-cover album. It's clear they cannot write things together anymore. But Renegades of Funk from Rage Against the Machine off of Renegades. Which, I mean, no disrespect to Africa Babata, but this is one of the best covers ever. Yeah, I, I even like... The original does not have as much funk as a song called Renegades of Funk should have. Uh, I like it's how right. obnoxious their Street Fighting Man cover is. Oh, yeah. I did not care for that. I, 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 I still This do. song will pump me up every time. I remember hearing it song. on the radio. I'm like, I can't believe they're allowed to say fuck so much. I cannot, I cannot separate it, but this is 2000, ladies and gentlemen, December 4th through the 10th. Uh, we also have some new music releases, uh, The Understanding by Memphis Bleak, Elton John's One Night Only, and uh, X by Casey and JoJo. Oh, mm-hmm. Casey and JoJo. Tearing the panties off, ladies. Uh, true. <laughs> Independent <laughs> Women Part mainstay. 1 <laughs> by Destiny's Child is still number one this week. And someday we'll Ew. be able to stop. I cannot believe that I, I knew we'd be talking about the 2000 election and little updates every week, but I just assumed this would be so much worse. 
And instead, I'm like, oh, yeah, this was so bad. Being able to reflect on the election 20 years ago as being much worse than now. Um, so the pre- Supreme Court issues a stay in Florida presidential recount to sort out competing state court rulings, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, just a holding pattern for everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, was, it was a nightmare. And you've heard me talk about it in previous episodes. But many of you were enjoying How the Grinch Stole Christmas because it's still number one in the box office several weeks later and cannot compete uh, with a couple of these movies that are out this week. Oh, man. I did not see Vertical Limit. <laughs> oh, uh, see when I yeah. watched it this did weekend, you? actually. I, yeah, just for funsies. I've heard it's yeah. not bad. It's not bad. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's got great. really, really good action. I mean, yeah. it's about climbing K2 and trying to rescue people. Uh, it's directed by Martin Campbell, who did, what, Mask of Zorro and uh, GoldenEye and Casino Royale. Like, he fucking does action. He's the man at action. We're going to pretend Green Lantern didn't happen. That's okay with everyone else. So <laughs> the script is like rock stupid and all the characters oh. are flimsy as paper, but oh, the action scenes are like really good. So they are, yeah, the, well, the main reason I was like, let's just throw this on. It's a wintry movie. Cause it's all in the snow and Bill Paxton. And I just, yeah. you know, I just love Bill Paxton and he is just, absolutely someone who was taken from us too soon so i always like to see him and stuff uh but yeah this is very silly and also <laughs> these people are the worst mountain climbers in the world <laughs> like sam and i are watching this like what the fuck they're just like falling all the time and i'm sorry like what they're doing is extremely hard and i could never do that you know just like being at that altitude even but damn are these people clumsy like <laughs> I heard a mountain climber and, say that this weekend. You, that's part of mountain climbing is being great at falling. I guess. And, <laughs> Some of them are not good at it because it's a rescue mission. And <laughs> guess what? Not that many people come back from it. Wow. Okay. And also, watch this movie and then add up all the people who die in the movie versus all the people who were saved in a rescue mission. Yeah. You're not going to be happy with the, that math. <laughs> <laughs> no good man so you're saying chris o'donnell is responsible for multiple deaths yes i mean <laughs> he's he's yeah Whew. and uh, this movie has holds a fond Whoa. memory in my heart oh my uh, God. yes uh bruce payne thora birch jeremy Irons. oh jeremy irons marlon wayans <laughs> right right on the heels of repping for a dream just <laughs> shitting all over that re- the reputation you earned from that and child play three's justin whalen ladies and gentlemen dungeons and dragons turns 20 this week forces of darkness you can control dragons or the dragon army in my command i can crush the empress this has got to be some twisted magic experiment gone seriously wrong have threatened to conquer a kingdom what can i do to stop profound if you can obtain the rod of savril you could control red dragons i suggest we lay low let the whole thing blow over come back rob everybody there's one small problem problem i kind of committed us to find it oh judge of dragons the movie holy lord oh my god was this savaged by critics and fans alike you gotta love it when that happens um you know not only i mean like back in the day like it's it's hard even now when like uh well not now but in the before times when you'd read like a i'm reading a review of a marvel movie and the critic doesn't want to like it but they can't not it's just a well-done movie based on a popular franchise it's interesting this was just savaged by fans and critics alike it, and yeah 
it, it, I, 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 I'm not an authority on it. I went with a group of people who were big D and D fans. And, oh no! Yeah, and I've I've learned through like, dude, the D and D people aren't not that angry. That the cartoon from the '80s, they D and D fans love that shit. It, it is way stupider than this. But, but, <laughs> but somehow this is like very ugly, very video game cutsceney. Like we are not quite ready for entirely digital sets and scenarios and this movie looks bad all around oh yeah it it looks bad it is gobbledygook Mm -hmm. it has like none none of the things that anyone likes dungeons and dragons for Mm -hmm. like the the setting or the different spells or the different you know orcs and goblins and whatever and it's one of these words like the behind the scenes should probably just be a mini series because it's all about this canadian guy who had been trying since he was like 16 to get the rights to make a dungeons and dragons movie and he tried so hard and he worked and worked and wrote script after script and like he finally rest like somehow got got his paws on the rights and started cobbling together the money for this and uh wow (laughs) it's really really bad yeah just shockingly bad i i don't i don't remember and i love telling my friends who were there and pissed off i don't remember that because it is one of my greatest movie theater memories because this is when we met two people who would go on to become very good friends who worked at our local movie theater so we got a screening of this a private screening of this on the Tuesday before the movie came out because that's what you have to do when you run the projectors. You got to make sure the movie fucking works. And you tend to do that when the movie theater is long closed. So this is not the first time, but at least the last time I have ever smoked in an AMC movie theater <laughs> uh, both cigarettes and massive blunts. So I And we were drinking, and I don't remember anything about it. I just remember... I felt like a fucking studio executive. We're in the best seats of the house. <laughs> All the seats were empty and we're smoke. I can see the smoke coming up to the screen. Maybe that's why it looked muddy to me. But uh, yeah, that's a that's one of my favorite memories. I gotta, I gotta remember to thank uh, B&B right. for that. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad one person out there enjoyed watching this movie. Yeah. Because I mean, no one else did. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm not even a fan of fantasy, but I'll, I'll give it some allowances. And mm. fans of fantasy, people who don't like fantasy, like, it it's they're constantly just spouting gibberish and yeah. it makes no sense and they they hang a lot of the movie on Justin Whalen who is he's the poor man's Jerry O'Connell and he's just not quite up to it and oh Jerry Myers is literally there for money he he bought a castle <laughs> he was working on restoring it he's just like in know. the Watchmen something yep. good came out of this then oh. yeah I guess oh it is it is. I don't, it's one of those movies where it's like every decision you made was the wrong decision. Yeah. Why did you do that? Why did what? you do that movie? That stupid movie. That was a nice character. Why don't, why don't we kill him? Ah, we'll bring him back yeah. in the end. It's fine. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Like, wait, does that guy have snakes coming out of his ears? Are you going to explain that? <laughs> nah. nah. Okay. I guess well, that'll probably come back later. Uh, oh, it doesn't? Oh. Uh, okay. <laughs> And uh, oh, so <laughs> uh, a movie I did not see. Um, sorry for saying Nazi, but uh, I'm not going to watch any movie that split up the house of Quaid and Ryan. And <laughs> that's all I remember this about this movie. So overshadowed by the behind the scenes on that. This what? Movie. I didn't know oh, about yeah. this. Homewrecker oh, Russell Crowe. Yeah. Uh, the this. Yeah. Um, if you like, yeah, yeah. If you like, if you like the show, The Boys. 
Huey grew up in a broken home because of this film. <laughs> David. So Curry. you're telling me that Meg Ryan left Dennis Quaid for Russell Crowe? I swear. Yes. My version of the story oh, is that Dennis girl. Quaid found out she'd be cheating and he left her. And it's like, fuck well, that. I guess he had been this. cheating ahead of time. Wow. So it's like things were already on the rocks. But this absolutely did it. Yeah. America. Well, damn. I mean, didn't she see the parent trap? <laughs> the new one? Dennis Quaid is I... a snack. But also the end well, because now she's with John Cougar Mellencamp. So. Is she Is she really? Yeah. Uh, they, they deserve to die in a Botox liposuction vortex together. David ah. Caruso, David Morris, Russell Crowe, and Meg Ryan in Proof of Life. Olay, olay, olay. My company is the designated K&R consultant. What is K&R? Kidnap and ransom. What happens now? This is a game. It's a game you play whether you like it or not. Peter's not a game. For you, it's emotional. For the people holding Peter, it's a business. The family are going to require proof of Peter is still alive. It's proof of life, isn't it? You never get a pretty picture. This is designed to shake you up. Get to the line. Everybody drink. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Says the title. You wins the movie. So, oh, this movie is so close to being great. Because it has some really good parts. I mean, the idea is that Meg Ryan and David Morse are living in this fictional South American country and they're like they're having problems in their marriage. And then he gets kidnapped in like a really good sequence. Uh, it's directed by Taylor Hackford, who's boys. He has a strange career. Uh, it's uh, Mr. Helen Mirren. Strange guy. Anyway, so he gets kidnapped and then Russell Crowe is this like fancy negotiator guy who comes in to help her, you know, try to come up with a price but there's like other stuff about like oh his company just got sold and so maybe the company's not to pay not gonna pay russell crowe anymore and there's and meanwhile david morris is being like traipsed deep deep into the jungle and like his feet are getting all fucked up and he's trying to figure out ways to escape and he can't and david caruso is there also as like a yeah basically a mercenary and he's actually a lot of fun but uh it's so close to being great because uh, huge chunks of the movie is pretty much just Russell Crowe talking to the kidnappers on a radio and Meg Ryan just sort of looking at him longingly. <laughs> and like, and I guess there was a sex scene with them that was cut out, yeah. but it just, it seems like so much of the time she's like comforting him and they don't really nail the point that it's like, I want this guy to succeed to bring my husband. I don't really like back. Mm, mm -hmm. Maybe I don't want that. I don't know. Like there's a lot of emotions that should be here that aren't really here, but it's, it's well-made. God, I'm I miss 2000s era Russell Crowe though. Looks good, man. <laughs> he looks great. He is doing a lot with not a ton, and damn. And yeah, they have ridiculous chemistry because they be fucking. Yes. Well, there you go. And and, and just so, rem remember, hearkening back to an era where like your on set business can overshadow your on screen business. And yeah, this I guess mm -hmm. Meg Ryan. That's always been true. I feel like I, I don't think people care that much anymore about people having mm -hmm. affairs. Didn't hurt. Like, I think oh, people would say something to Angelina Jolie about that. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, maybe. That but was like, the last one though, and that was like over ten years ago. I, no, no, no. Think about like uh, Kristen Stewart and those Huntsman movies. Like, I know she wasn't mm. in the second one, but like that movie did great. Whereas, like, I think it was that portray. She's marketing herself as America's sweetheart. I'll never do nude scenes or do anything, <laughs> anything betray my mm. fans except cheat on my husband publicly. I. I have to imagine there are people who voted for Trump who very much were hurt by Meg Ryan's <laughs> adultery. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is an interesting 
part for her to take mm -hmm. too of right. you know not being america's sweetheart she's just sort of eh. she's walking around smoking and swearing and getting kind of grumpy Very and cool. i think she's kind of miscast yes, like she can do that though courage under fire yeah. i think she's really really good in but i feel it's not quite the right part for her mm. um but everybody else is good and yeah it's like a very light recommend for me like it was pretty watchable the good parts are really really good it's just the in-between parts so just it get to the feels... fireworks factory yeah i watched some of it uh this weekend i kind of lost interest halfway through but it definitely feels like a snapshot of 2000 like the type of movies i feel like that were being made in 2000 which mm -hmm. i don't know that this movie could be made it's just like to like you said like not enough of anything not enough yeah. action not enough intrigue like i don't know it feel it felt like a snapshot to me of that time period especially too because like the tech we're right there at like the right time for the technology in this movie to play into it but not mm. be everything be solved by technology right like, like now they're, they're cell phones but they're not enough it's not you can't find him because of his yeah, cell phone. you can't gps yeah. track him or anything like that so it makes yeah. sense for the time but yeah. it's fine but, yeah i just i feel like the if i don't know they worked on the emotional stuff a bit more the whole middle of the movie drags uh mm -hmm. but there are a couple the end action sequence really solid really exciting and just yeah the kidnapping scene i thought was great because yeah there's like you know a bunch of backed up cars and he doesn't know what's going on and then all of a sudden these dudes like rappel down the cliff and someone starts shooting and he's like what the fuck is going and it's all it's so chaotic that's like oh yeah this is i feel really scared right now it's like this mm -hmm. is might be kind of what this would feel like i also like look this is not a political thing like this group started as a political group but really they're just into drugs now so they they just want the money that's all this is man mm -hmm. price of doing business I also really want their house that has all the scorpion art all over it. It is a sweet ass house. That house is awesome. And the movie mm. I would have been seeing had it been in any theater. But, near me. <laughs> uh, yeah, so coming out in Japan, but which we will not see in the U.S. for 10 solid years. Wow. Sort of. Yeah. Sort of. Uh, Takeshi Katano beat Aki Maeda and Tatsuya Fujiwara. A battle royale. I, I, I think in the early internet age, one of the most notorious films ever made uh yep. and and I, I i it's it's have you seen the hunger games that's what it is except that it's more focused on what's happening in the game and I, I i was reading more about what the director wanted his themes to be and none of them according to him were reality tv but i can't help but feel that's all over the place especially with beat takeshi of takeshi's castle host of mxc basically <laughs> playing himself in battle royale as a group of school children are given random weapons and forced to be the last one alive for the yeah, delight. I feel like the, the reality show part being missing is like, it's kind of its biggest flaw. Like, cause they talk about like, okay, the government has instituted this thing. One class of teenagers every year is going to mm -hmm. have to go kill each other. Last man standing wins. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this seems like it's supposed to be uh, like a preventative thing. Like, you know, to scare kids into behaving themselves, mm -hmm. but that's not going to happen if they, don't know what's going on they all all the kids are like what the fuck they, is battle they, royale they, they do know yeah. they do know what's going on it's like they there's, all, they there's pretty perplexed when they wake up like well, on this there's island. news crews there talking about it later on later on but mm -hmm. they don't show they no one gets to see the game they just get to find out oh we have a winner oh it's a girl <laughs> it's yeah a girl. you know yeah it should have been broadcast but... so yeah i watched this last night um mm -hmm. with and 
I mean, I've been hearing about Battle Royale forever because of the film school people that I hung out with. Thank you. Throughout college. Hello. Um, and, but I just Battle Royale. Pretty much. Um, so, and I watched it and it was a fun ride. I do think I need someone to explain to me, though, like why it's so revered, I guess. Um, well, well, some of it is we got to put it in context. The reason yeah. we did not see this except for the occasional bootleg in the U.S. until like 2009, 2010, is because we're, what, eight months outside of Columbine? Yes. And the idea of teenagers being this brutal and bloodthirsty towards each other was just too much for people to bear. Columbine really broke people's minds when it comes to kids and violence. And it is um, very explicitly, I mean, yes. like, it's very body violent. parts are blood spurting. Like, it's very explicit, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, here's, uh, so, here's, here's the wiki statement yeah. I love from the director Kinji uh, mm -hmm. Fugusaku he stated that he decided to direct the film because the novel it was adapted from reminded him of being a 50 year old forced to work in a munitions factory during World War II at the time his class was made to work the munitions in July 1945 the factory came under artillery fire the children could not escape so they dived under each other for cover the surviving mm -hmm. members of the class had to dispose of the corpses at that point uh, Fugusaku, Fugusaku Realized that the Japanese government was lying about World War II, and he developed a burning hatred for adults in general <laughs> that he maintained for a long time afterwards. Which is shocking, hmm. because this feels like it's like an up-and-coming director, you know, who's really going to shock someone. No. This is Japan's Tarantino. He, and he was 70. Yeah, he, 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 died, wow. he died shooting the second one, like just a few years later. Yeah, he and, was. I he made, worked on Tora 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 and mm -hmm. Green Slime and a bunch of other like pretty terrible movies. But back to the sixties, <laughs> and uh, yeah. But so I mean, you have to compare this to Hunger Games, yeah. and they do things differently. Hunger Games is mostly about the world building and the lead up to the Hunger Games. Yes, mm -hmm. and, that's, and this is this is a much more concise. Five minutes, they're they're getting ready to kill yeah. each other. And I I love that like um. You know, read, I, this is the first time I've read about it since the Battle Royale video game genre has taken. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, oh, that's unfortunate. Wait a second. Uh, strangers pitted on a weird island and then they have to find random weapon. OK, this all checks that. That's a really good description of that genre <laughs> to be it's named after game. this movie. That's yeah. not how all video games work. But like the Battle Royale genre is essentially the premise of this movie, but with kids. Mm. And yeah with kids and that's that's the thing that battle royale i think does so much better than the hunger games yeah. is like these guys all know each other they all part of the same class mm -hmm. and that plays out in the violence there's like mm -hmm. the girl who's like you never hung out with me you you guys, you guys teased me you, you know you never let me in your clique there's like oh but i really like that guy and you like him too i'm gonna fucking kill you yeah. and all the teenage angst plays into it whereas you know hunger games they don't really know each other too much and so well, by design because yeah. each like in hunger games they're all from different districts, yeah. districts mm -hmm. and stuff so yeah. yeah i mean definitely the fact that all these kids were in the same class and probably like have known each other since they were little kids like totally adds a layer of richness to it for sure mm -hmm. and and i would yeah. call it it's it was one of the most notorious movies of the 2000s and it was yes. very hard to get a hold of and i think two years after this i finally was able to get a hold of this thing so i've watched this movie a dozen times in 360p poorly artifacted mpeg negative mm -hmm. one quality and 
I watched it a lot like that, and we had to figure out how to burn it onto a fucking SVCD. This is like back that like it was <laughs> it was hard to like get this yeah. viewable anywhere but a computer screen. And all my film friends were like obsessed with the idea of watching it, mm-hmm. and we finally did. And I, I pretty much had to shop it around like I was uh, <laughs> I was touring it uh, like in the sixties, <laughs> and I did was able to see it on screen in a new print for America not too long ago in San Francisco. And and the coolest factoid I got from that, like, it wasn't so much that the movie was banned. The ban- nobody banned the movie. And it, we ta- I think we talked about this in last year's Laser Time about banned movies. We have this really interesting system of capitalistic censorship that can mm. ban a movie before anybody, any studio head has made any kind of decision. And the Japanese in general were way aware of like, this probably isn't the right time to shop around a movie about killing children. They were aware of Columbine. It also did, in Japan, did Titanic numbers. And from what the person who got the print told me, they also, for 10 years, Toei commanded Titanic money. And no studio in America would go anywhere near this thing for like, you want how much? Look, I would love to distribute your movie on Blu-ray as a Shout Factory or Anchor Bay. Anchor Bay eventually released it in 2010. In 2010, it has its first American release. It takes 10 Hmm. years. But they were, it was mostly because Toei was asking a shitload of money because of how successful it was (laughs) in Japan. And and also, if you if you don't know the struggle of trying to import Japanese movies, try and find an original English dub of a Godzilla film. They don't want you to have it, and it'll cost you a lot. That it was banned is that like it was just sort of unapproachable and at a bad price yeah. point. And, yeah, exactly. It was just radioactive. Yeah. No one no one wanted to court the controversy, bringing it, even though you know it played at festivals and it was you know it's well respected. You know, it's not a slasher film. It's it's the psychology of how everyone deals with these issues, the the issue of, do I really want to kill my friends? Do, Mm -hmm. should I just try to defend myself? Just wait it out. And all these old grudges coming up and, and how many of them just, just go for suicide right away. Oh yeah. Or it's like, yeah, the hunger games never had that, which is like, that's probably what I would do. Find the camera, give it the finger jump off or something. Yeah. Yeah. It, it brings up, it's, a lot of philosophical questions, ethic and moral questions, which are fun yeah. to kind of explore as you go through it. We were watching it last night with my stepson and he and I, like we, we took a quick break, a bathroom break. And I was like, when it, we decided that the best thing to do would be, especially if you're one of the first kids to like get your backpack that has your weapon in it is just stand right outside the building where they're handing out the backpacks and just pick people off as they come out of the building. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. Unless you Bam, have like, one, unless you're given one yeah. grenade. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. you got to hope that you got a gun or mm-hmm. at least the bows and arrows mm-hmm. or something. But there you go. Yeah, be over. And there's well, like, the kid with the uh, the crossbow kind of tries that. That's true. That's mm-hmm. true. It doesn't work out great for him. And then you know sometimes you get a pot lid or yeah. or binoculars the, or binoculars. I I think the thing I wanted if I were them, the thing that shows you where everyone else is. Yes. That's the thing. You just That's hide. That's the best weapon. You just yeah. hide. And I mean, they did do a really good job of like closing all the loopholes. Like there are different quadrants like on the island and every day we'll announce like if you're in this quadrant at this time, you will die. Like, you'll Oh, that's right. Your- Unlike Hunger Games, they have a thing around their neck that can be an explode if they do the wrong thing. Right. Yeah. And then if 
there has to be one person standing at the end of it or you're all going to die. So you can't like just like band together and be like, no, we're not going to do this. Like, okay, fine. Y'all die then. Like, so, I mean, they do a good job of like closing up all those little loopholes, but yeah, I, I, when I, 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 I see now in context of why it was such a big deal. And the fact that you couldn't get it obviously is going to make it huge. Yeah. Well, I'm, you I'm, know, I'm, only, I'm making people. a plea to people like me who probably saw this movie a dozen times from 2000 to 2010. When I saw this in theaters on a new print, I saw shit I had not seen before from bootlegs uh, and downloads. You owe it to yourself mm-hmm. to watch this. It's a very pretty film. And I had never seen it done, done pretty at all until I saw the, the new print that was struck. It's yeah. so Sam, like we all watched it together. And when I was out of the room, Sam rented it. So I can't remember what service he got it from, but he didn't have a lot of choices to choose from. I remember. And I sat down to watch it and it was dubbed oh. instead of subtitles. And I do think that took away a little bit no, from I, my enjoyment I, I too. Cause the, the voice acting is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's probably it's, it it's, like canopy. It might be available. Wow. Um, it's available for rental a bunch of places. I have it on DVD already. So. Hey, uh, it's yeah, it's Ooh, on. La, la. I think Amazon has. I it. I think it's my. Place. I think it's my region free DVD too. So Ooh, it's probably la, la. Two thousand two, two thousand three, from oh somewhere gosh. else. That I'm is... having flashbacks to dating my film school boyfriend. What up, what, <laughs> what up Ka? Uh, hope you're listening. Um, <laughs> and uh, apparently, it's yeah. free on Tubi's. I'm guessing the subtitle version. Oh, so, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. And, and well, it, I'm not I, sure it, it found a new audience because I think it was one of the first things Netflix threw on its streaming service. Like, yeah, this thing you've been heard about for years, we got it. And Jeez. most people have seen this. But if you've ever wondered, like, it's it is not a bad, notorious film. In no, it, I think it's no. definitely needs to be seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love Especially it. In- and it's not just a retread if you're a big fan of the Hunger Games. It, it really goes in a different direction, even though it's the same basic idea. Of kids have to kill each other. Oh, and, and I can also uh, say avoid just this. the psychological stuff. Oh, my God. Just the idea of like, I always had a crush on you and now we're stuck here. Uh, do you want to die a virgin? No, I'm going to try to attack you. Ah, and then, oh, so much violence. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that scene I actually found very satisfying. But it was, it was I mean... You know, my stepson, he's very into horror movies, not like phased at all by gore and everything. So we watched it together and it was kind of fun. He's in eighth grade. It's like a great show. I'm not fucking around. It's perfect for his age. And that's why it was so successful in Japan because kids loved it. Well, it was great to talk to him about like, you know, there are a lot of choices that people make in this movie that could go either way. And so I do think it's like a great way to have like a fun conversation about that kind of stuff. You know, if you're ever Mm -hmm. have to be on the desert island most dangerous game style like what kind of choices are you're you on going a desert island you're playing your 10 your 10 favorite games and then you gotta murder all <laughs> also avoid the sequel like the fucking plague it is it is weird and terrible I've heard. Is... I've heard it's pretty terrible i think i have that around here somewhere i think i have the manga also yeah <clears throat> sorry I mean, manga. This, this was hugely popular in japan and i don't know i always sort of envious of them for of, of that culture for like oh is this Weird, controversial, bold, and daring. Let's all go see it together <laughs> instead of the studio <laughs> abandoning it entirely. And um, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, hats off to the entire nation of Japan. Um, see Battle yeah. Royale for real. I think it's really great. Mm-hmm. And yep, yeah. absolutely. That's probably my number one recommend this week. Yeah, I, I've seen it actually. W- yeah, almost definitely is totally. Yeah, I've seen it one time where I could truly appreciate it. And um, 
if you were yeah, if you were like me and stealing it off the internet, Kazaa or Morpheus or LimeWire, um, <laughs> find like rent a real version and see how see how it should look because like there were really bad transfers of this movie for years. Moving on to television. Speaking of <laughs> diabolical, unspeakable acts, uh, TV Funhouse debuts on Comedy Central, and I weirdly found it one of the most offensive shows I've ever seen in my whole <laughs> life. Good lord! I thought it was great. It lasted one season of somewhere between six and eight episodes, based on. SNL's uh, Saturday TV Funhouse Comedy Central made an entire show out of that, where a, a male a male human host Doug would get together with the Animal Pals, all of which the males sounded like Triumph the Insult Comic Dog because it was <laughs> it was uh, Robert Smigel. But in between, they had Sesame Street s interstitials. Uh, Wonder Showsen is a good comparison, although. This is yeah. a lot less, what would you call it, anarchist left. <laughs> this Disturbing on every level. And I think they said they stopped making the show. Basically, not the ratings were good. Comedy Central liked it. It was just always over budget, expensive as fuck. And everyone working on it was like, this, all the animation. It's where Ace and Gary went to live almost every week. You could see the ambiguously gay duo. Triumph made oh, an appearance or two. I know. Um, SNL this week. Val Kilmer is the host with musical guest U2. But this is the premiere of uh, whenever you watch SNL Best of Christmas Packages, you will always get this. Tell what the calendar say. I wish it was Christmas today. I wish it was Christmas today. Yeah. I don't know. What do you guys think? You know, I'm sure you've well, seen... Yeah, I actually looked at that and almost pulled it for the show, but mm-hmm. then I, I was kind of like, "What? What is this? What yeah. is this supposed to be?" You know, it just—it's definitely a case of, and SNL kind of does get into this less so now than I think in the early two thousands, where they're obviously doing something that they all think is very amusing. You're but- right, and I think they're trying to like take a little piece of whatever Tom Green's doing and we're going to do something twee and Jimmy Fallony and cute. But it's like not weird enough to actually be funny. It's yeah. just like they thought. They obviously are, they think it's Tracy funny. Morgan just dances. Uh, Horatio Sands Chris Kattan just holds a keyboard and looks in the camera the whole time. Yeah. And I love Horatio Sands. He's the one that, he's the only one that sings mm-hmm. and I love him and, and he's so fun and jolly. But it's it's not funny. It's like there's no joke here. It's yeah. just kind of like a little cute little thing. And yeah. I do love that Christmas song. It's if, fine. If it's anything, fine. I just watched that um, wonderful Belushi doc um, Showtime put up uh, after, <laughs> before I cancel my subscription. <laughs> I watched the Belushi doc, and it's it's something old SNL would have done a lot. They had a lot of. It's where the Blues Brothers come from. Half their yeah. it's a musical variety show. Of course, half our shit's going to be musical numbers. That is about it for television. But you know, we're coming up on Christmas. I shouldn't have to continue to explain that to you people. Christmas specials exist so people who work at TV stations can go home. They, that's, what, <laughs> that's why they run the same things over and over again so they can leave the studio. Of course, there's some institutions like video games that must keep on going. Uh, new video games this week. Oh, boy. Um, it's never been a great Evil Dead game, but, you know, if you want more Bruce Campbell as Ash, you'll have Bruce, the Evil Dead, Hail to the King on PS1, Pokemon Puzzle Challenge, American McGee's Alice is out this week, and that is a truly oh, amazing I remember game. that. Yeah. One and done for whoever American McGee was. And <laughs> uh, Grandia 2 is out for the Dreamcast. That's also considered a classic by many. Giant Citizen Kabuto, another PC classic. Mario Party 3 hits in Japan. Monster Rancher, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we'll dig go more into depth on that with our video game friends from Video Game Apocalypse and hopefully Chris Baker if I can get this fucking organized in between all our holiday shenanigans. Again, patreon.com slash later time. 
Thank you for your support and occasional patience. But that about wraps up the year 2000. We have to go out because Diana said so. This I promise you by NSYNC. Why? Yep. Well, it's it's pretty high up on the charts this week. And with independent women just sitting there and sitting there and sitting there, I, I feel bad for everyone else. So I'm just going through everyone who doesn't quite make it to number one and just throwing them in. All right. Uh, in this one, they stand around trees and sing. Uh, woo, 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 woo. Will you come button my shirt? I don't remember any of these videos. But, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, we'll be right back with 2010, and I get to talk about one of my favorite things in the whole world. Stay right there. I will take you in my arms and hold you. internet and all the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner we go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of december 4th through 10th i guess we're heading into the holidays and sadly i have not a lot of holiday recommends uh i apologize that i keep coming back to international fascism but this week is the 50th anniversary of victorio de sica's the garden of finzi contini's which is a really good movie about ignoring problems until they're literally at your front doorstep and uh i think it's a really beautiful movie uh Desica doesn't get quite as much respect as uh, a lot of other italian filmmakers and I, I quite like it uh also turning 50 this week is gimme shelter <laughs> the uh concert documentary slash uh evidence of murder uh starring the rolling stones showing their you know the big altamont free concert in 1969 uh and how maybe you shouldn't hire hell's angels to be security uh, maybe you shouldn't hire gangs to be security. Hint, hint, Proud Boys, hint, hint. Uh, and the documentary, I mean, my God, besides the, the parts where it's a great concert movie, it's a great concert movie, and the rest of the time it is chaos, and it's fascinating. Really, really well made. So Gimme Shelter 1970s. Definite recommend, but I know it's the holidays, and those are two kind of bummers. So I'm going to recommend a movie that you can watch with the whole family. And it's fun as hell. Turning 40 this week is Flash Gordon starring Sam J. Jones, uh, Melody Anderson, Max von Sydow, Topol, Timothy Dalton, Brian Blessed. Gordon's alive! Uh, yeah, this movie's terrible, but fun. And that's all I ask movies to be. It's got crazy-ass costumes. It's clear they... They knew that George Lucas wanted to do a Flash Gordon type thing, and then he did Star Wars, and they're like, oh, oh, you, you kids like Star Wars? We, we got all the Star Wars. We got Birdman, and we got we got wood planets that are nothing but trees, and we, we got all kinds of shit. Yeah, shut up. Yeah, um, it's a terrible movie, but it is so much fun, and yeah, it's just pretty to look at, and either you love it just because you love it, and that's fine, or you love it because it's so stupid, and that's fine too. I mean... It's got a score by Queen. Every movie should have a score by Queen. Yes, even Garden of the Finzi Contitis. Anyway, those are my recommends for the week. Uh, happy holidays as we get to the holidays. I'll, I'll try to get more holiday-type stuff for you. Uh, that's it for this week. Stay classic. Want you to make me feel like I'm the only girl in the world. Like I'm the only one that you'll ever love. 
Coming in with Only Girl, Parenthetical in the World by Rihanna. It is number one this week, and that means we are in 2010, December 4th through the 10th. Welcome to the world of 2010. We are only 10 years ago, but man, I'm so excited. I hope I don't talk too long. Uh, new releases uh, music-wise this week, we got 4 times uh, 4 equals 12 by Dead Mouse, uh, All-American Nightmare by Hinder, Strip Me by Natasha uh, Bendingfield, uh, Wonders of the Younger by Plain White Tees, No Mercy by T.I., and Basic Inst- Instinct by Ciara. Ciara? Sure. Um, and uh, I just love something that comes along like Plain White Tees. I'm like, yeah, that was 10 years ago, wasn't it? A little bit of news to bring you into the magical world of 2010. Uh, Nancy Wilson of Heart and Cameron Crowe divorce after 24 years. Wow. They seem so happy. Is, they seem so happy. Is that a, is that a is that a Brian Wilson Beach Boys person? No, no, that's no. not. That's, she's no. way older. Um, no, she's she's independent. I was thinking of Carney Wilson. My bad. Um, yeah, and, and, yeah. Uh, she's not one of those Wilsons. She's a different Wilson. And uh, Heart Rules. Woo. They really do. Rockinest Lady Band. Even like you know, I just was watching that Go Go's documentary. Can't recommend that enough. The uh, Pod F Tomcast launches, and I'm sure Sarah put oh. this here. Um, Actually, no, Diana did, no, and I'm so did. happy. Because oh, the pot of Tomcast was Tomcast was a dream come true for me because I just he's my favorite comedian probably of all time and it was just him talking in a very dreamy like funny way and he would just have these like musical interludes by Evan Schletter and then he would just I think I remember hearing an interview with him where he was basically like. Yeah, I just kind of close my eyes and just talk. And it's like a, almost like a dreamscape. And then the <laughs> other half of it, Je- uh, Jen Kirkman comes on. Right. And they have a great conversation. And I absolutely love Jen Kirkman so much. She's just one of the coolest ladies, coolest female comedians ever. And when I was in college, I sent her a message through MySpace telling her <laughs> how much I liked her. Mm-hmm. And I was like so broke at the time. I was like, I can't wait to buy your CD. I just like I'm super broke right now, but I'm gonna buy it as soon next time I get enough money. And she sent me a CD for free Aww. with a Aww. nice note. <laughs> she is the coolest. I absolutely love her so much. Yeah. So yes, the Pod F Tomcast was so much fun. I was so sad when it ended. However, <laughs> he and his wife Janie Haddad Tompkins now have a podcast called Stay F Homekin. Homekins, all about being quarantined together That's through all of this. Are we really, really at a fun. loss for Paul F. Tompkins on a podcast? I mean, <laughs> he's everywhere, but I'm so happy about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I highly recommend if you can go back and find Pod F. Tomcast. It's really sweet. And then now Stay F. Homekins is also very sweet. Um, oh boy. And uh, yeah, just watched a documentary that dealt a lot with this guy. Julian Assange is arrested this week. At the same time, the Paul F. Tompkins podcast launched. I mean, um, uh, it's huge events. Is he's arrested on a Swedish warrant for uh, sexual assault charges. He fights extradition for two years before moving into the Ecuadorian embassy. And man, that's almost a 10 year run there. I forgot to check in on where he is now, but. Uh, uh yeah. he's still commenting on things in yeah. a way that's like yeah did they drag him out of the embassy oh yeah I feel like that oh yeah that was really yeah. funny because he's like screaming but he has like a letterman beard and <laughs> and he's like totally he's like planking as he's screaming it's it's sh- i shouldn't laugh at it because it seems pretty awful but, do embassies but, just have like little like bunk rooms for situations like this like how do you live well, there, in yeah. an embassy i guess so yeah i think there was yeah. like an apartment situation you could see video of inside of his apartment Okay. Where, of course, it's a sovereign nation, and uh, yeah, what is mm. it? Yeah, no, yeah. no authority doesn't if work I, in there. 
If Ecuador says he can stay, he can stay. I yeah. don't know why, because they seem to not like him there either. And the videos of him skateboarding and not cleaning up after his cats, you can see why. Uh, mo- <laughs> movies of 2010, uh, December 4th to the 10th. The Tempest is out. Oh, rejoice. Maybe Diana. <laughs> but this cast seems... In, <sighs> um, yeah. Alfred Molina, Felicity Jones, Russell Brand. Oh, God. I meant to relearn the pronunciation of who? Uh, not Digimon. Jaimon? Jaimon. It should be Digimon. David Stratham, uh, Strathern, and uh, Helen Marin in The Tempest. Uh, I was so hopeful because this is adapted and directed by Julie Taymor, who previously did Titus, Mm -hmm. which is one of the best, craziest Shakespeare adaptations ever. And I love it so much. Uh, And this has like a ridiculous cast. And I love having Helen Mirren as as Prospero, Prospera in in this case, because it's such a cool part. And I like, yeah, open it up gender wise. But I just found it really disappointing. Mm. Like it's it's some of it is pretty to look at Mm. or just interesting i go with interesting to look at but i i overall was disappointed it's definitely not not as cool a not as cool as Mm. titus and b not the best adaptation of the tempest because we all know that's forbidden planet that movie's fucking amazing it's one of the best leslie nielsen roles absolutely Um, so yeah just mm, yeah well uh speaking of meh movie (laughs) oh my god the mess this this was even this was uh enough i think the first proof we had like wait a minute is johnny depp a really a movie star or just good at being hunter s thompson the pirate uh (laughs) can he can he Carry a movie, a very expensive one. Um, Rufus Sewell, Stephen Burkoff, Paul Bettany, Timothy Dalton, Angelina Jolie. A Beautician and the Beast? And Johnny T. Yes, <laughs> a beautician. Mr. Pricklepants himself. Yes. And uh, Johnny, no longer in Fantastic Beats Dep. Uh, the Tourist, The Tourist. Why is everyone trying to kill me? You were part of a plan. Why are you involved? No, he will be with her. This is exactly why she chose him to distract us. Angelina Jolie. It's gone too far. Johnny Depp. Let her go. The tourist. Um, yeah, I did not see this. I totally, I meant to watch it again because, like, I, I, I was fortunate enough to actually go to Venice, and it is one of the, it is one of the crazier places to set a film. Uh, that Donald Sutherland movie. Uh, what is it? Don't look now. Yeah, it's like it's a maddening place to be and walk around in because it's it mm-hmm. feels like it feels like a decaying wonderland where you're sure to get lost and it feels like an M C Escher painting. Yeah, it's fucking drawing. Weird. It is fucking yeah. weird. But uh, I I went there before Google Maps and believe me I like <laughs> I I think I wandered into some convent once and I was like oh I'm sorry. <laughs> I, was, I, I literally was just trying to like get to another street and now I'm in someone's house. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I went I, there during carnival. So it was both Byzantine and also full of like wild masked drunk people. It was very fun, but almost too much for me. Like, honestly, it was very <laughs> intense. Yeah. This, this, this movie, like I remember watching it. I'm like, Oh, I bet the studio thinks this is going to do great business, but I bet it won't. Oh, a hundred percent. This is like all the makings of like, oh guys, we got him, Johnny Depp, Angelina Jolie. Like this is gonna be amazing. Yeah. And then you there's get like two, 
They're on the run in fancy locations. They're very beautiful. Mm-hmm. We put the filter on Johnny Depp so he doesn't look so weird and craggy. And <laughs> you could not pick two people who have less chemistry in the world. Mm-hmm. They're basically like two cardboard stand-ups of each other. And we're really hitting this the apex in 2010 of like, yeah, I know Hollywood really wants – us to be attracted to Johnny Depp and Angelina Jolie and think of them as sex symbols, but it's like the pendulum swung so far in that direction that now it's like very hard to even think of them as humans. And (laughs) I think that really like made this movie just because there's absolutely no chemistry or like spark or anything. They're just like two beautiful people just hanging out in the hotel. Yeah, and you can tell they did a lot of work on this oh, yeah. script and tried mm-hmm. to fix it because I mean it's a remake of a pretty recent French movie. So that's mm-hmm. Always a warning sign. Mm-hmm. Something this is a bad idea. Like they keep trying, they they never quite succeed when they do that. But second of all, I mean it's directed by okay, I'm gonna try to say this right, Florian Henkel von Donnersmark. <laughs> Who, Seems right to me. Yeah, who who did The Lives of Others, which is a great movie, but not a romantic action movie. And they brought in Christopher McQuarrie, who's now the Mission Impossible guy, and Julian Fellows of Downton Abbey to clean up the screenplay. Wow. And they probably brought in a lot of other people because they, they got credit, which means a million other people took cracks at this. And yeah, it wants to be like... I don't know. There's usually I love movies with lots of double crossing in them. Mm. I I love especially if they're in like a fancy locale and maybe they're getting chased and there's sexual tension and I love that charade. Everyone go watch charade. Mm. The Italian job. Mm-hmm. You watch this, the Italian job. You can watch Ocean's the, Eleven. Either yes. one. This wants to be the Italian job. I feel like. Mm. Yeah, and it's got like some stupid twists and turns that end up making no sense. And um, yeah. It's stupid. I mean, the, the basic plot is that Johnny Depp is like some schmuck who's just on vacation. And then like he gets mistaken to be this like gangster guy with a bunch of money. And then they start chasing him around. But go watch North by Northwest. Yeah, that does seem like what they're going for. And uh, it ends up just all the sparkling dialogue is super dry. And they seem like catatonic. Like they oh. seem bored. They seem like they barely like each other. And I Mm. know that they're both trying to like, I feel like they're both trying to play these characters as very cool. Like they're just, cause she's like super cool. Cause she's like a spy question mark. And he's cool because he's Johnny Depp. And it just turns into them just like both talking in like very hushed tones at each other. And it's not good. It's so bad. And Johnny Depp. They also are like very obviously shooting him from like the chest up as if he was knocked up. I think he's maybe going through like a time in his life like we're all going through right now. Or maybe he's eating his feelings a little bit because some of the wardrobe choices and like the shots and perspectives, I'm like curious. This is very curious. Mm. I'm not trying to body shame ever. anyone. We've all been in a situation. I'm currently there right now where, you know, yeah, all bodies are good bodies. But I'm just saying it was very conspicuous the way they were. Yeah, if he's to. supposed to be a regular schlub, then he should be 30 yes, pounds too heavy. Just so like, point? I think he's like, isn't he the background? He's like supposed to be a teacher, high school teacher or something like that, I think. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. Now, the tourist, it kind of blows. And you <laughs> yeah. should watch North by Northwest because that movie is awesome and fun. I, I love, we, we, 
there was a expose on Peter Travers of Rolling Stone as being, as being the king of the blurb horror, coining terms like mm-hmm. "I was on the edge of my seat," I was on the edge of my seat with Reindeer Games and that kind of shit. And he, his last line in his review is, "The Taurus reaches its own kind of perfection. It fails on every conceivable level. <laughs> Zero <laughs> yeah. stars out of four. Um, wow, guy who kind of who's notorious for liking everything and being uh, getting a blurb on every movie poster. Well, so. maybe we're just not reading the second sentence of his blurb. Oh, on every <laughs> maybe they're just blurbing level. like the first part of the sentence because a masterpiece. Yeah. This wants to be now." I, <laughs> <laughs> It was fun when I left. <laughs> uh, and this, this to me, I find fascinating. In the post Lord of the Rings world, everybody wanted their own Percy Jackson Lightning Thief. Mm. But it, and this one seemed the most poised to have a shot at Lord of the Rings stardom. It's huge. Yeah. It's famous, well, and it's got a whole Christian vibe going for it. It's Harry mm. Potter meets Lord of the Rings. It's mm-hmm. it's got everything. It has everything, such as Simon Pegg, Tilda Swinton, Anna Popplewell. That's a real person, I'm assured. Uh, William Mosley, Liam Neeson, Will uh, Poulter, uh, George, Georgie Henley, Georgie, uh, Skander. We're getting to the kids here with names like Skander. Uh, ben <laughs> Ben Barms is number one at the, the box office, but it has just been ditched by Disney. The Chronicles of Narnia: The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. You have returned for a reason. Your journey lies beyond. There is the source of your troubles. It seeks to steal the light from this world. That sword must be laid at Aslan's table. Then let true power be released. The Chronicles of Narnia, the Voyage of the Dawn Treader. <gasps> no one touches the tale. Rated PG in Real D3. Real D3D brought to us by 20th Century Fox, so you can take some solace in that Disney eventually now owns it. Um, but they gave up on yeah. it. Was supposed to be seven part trilogy, seven part series. I, I think that's how many books there are, mm-hmm. and they have kicked around which one to do next. Some folks were working on Silver Chair, and some folks were there was a different one. Because mm-hmm. the problem is that I, I didn't even realize because I, I never got very far in the Chronicles of Narnia books. Mm-hmm. That it's like, oh, there's some big time jumps, and some books take place before other books. And so if you want to have like a Harry Potter-ish series where you have the same characters the whole time, you start having problems because like they're supposed to come back as adults. And it's like, well, yeah, worked for it. Oh, wait, it didn't. Yeah. And I also don't ever remember anyone in my life calling it the Chronicles of Narnia until this title was slapped on the movies. This was that was never a word that was on these books. No, just call it Narnia. Yeah. It's the series, the overall it's series it. name. I, I yeah. don't remember seeing them on the line when the Witch in the Wardrobe on the 400 times I tried to well, finish that book. That's just the first one. Yeah. That's well, just the first book of the series. I'm not the yeah. guy to talk to this movie about. Other than, other than my buddy, when he was 16, bought a pop-out camper from his pastor next door neighbor. And it was it was beautiful. It was like, we're like 16 and all we can aspire to is like, I want to get my own apartment so I can do whatever the fuck I want. And he hooked it up outside, and we'd smoke pot in it, and it was called the Don Treader. So I had no context until <laughs> until 2010. What the hell? And but we would say I like, mean, you want to you want to roll into the Don Treader, and that meant let's go get high in the Don Treader. It's <laughs> well, a pretty cool name. It is. It you have not, to. Yeah. And it was it was spelled out in like those those letters you buy at like an Ace Hardware on the on the cool. camper. Dawn Treader. Very oh. groovy. Yeah, I got Very to see groovy. if Bill still has that. Bill, I'm coming. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, like all good Catholic children, I read 
the whole oh, Narnia yeah. series, but it never really, I don't know, it never really got me the where I think it got a lot of children, maybe people that were a little bit older than me. I don't know. I was closer to the Harry Potter generation, I think. So I, was, I grew up a I grew up a book kid and I don't remember anyone saying that they liked this. This was just on a lot of elementary school reading lists of like you can read this to get your fucking Pizza Hut book at uh, <laughs> qualifications. <laughs> I mean it was real big for Catholic kids because you know sort of all, a Catholic. it's very Jesus y and I got stuff. dunked, but that's about it, the end of my Catholicism. It always though kind of gave me like weird vibes of like these kind of bratty children like going into another world and then becoming like the rulers of that world. I don't know. Just like some mm. colonialism vibes there that like <laughs> I'm not I don't really love. And I have not visited revisited the series because I'm not a child anymore um, in a long, long time. But yeah, this just kind of passed me by, which is a shame because I do think the world of Narnia is very interesting and and is very visually could be like extremely beautiful. And I don't know. It just was one of those things that just like, I think missed the mark for a lot of people. And Hmm. it could have been so huge because it could be like bringing in like the last or the last temptation of Christ, but the, um, (laughs) you know, the same sort of audience that were like buying out theaters to watch, uh, the Jesus, the Mel Gibson Jesus movie. Oh, the passion of the Christ. The passion of the Christ. Thank you. Yeah, I think they're not religious enough to get churches involved, but Maybe. like huh. churches should be, I, I would think the churches would like church youth groups. This is the perfect thing to go to because they know it's not going, they like, they know it's going to have a good message at the end about, you know, uh, redemption or love or faith or something, you know, even if it's not super over, like, you know, clean flicks whatever it is pure flicks whoever those guys are yeah i've never really got into these uh i'm much too old and i don't have kids but all the reviews for this one was like it's probably the most fun Mm -hmm. it's like the most adventure-y it it is a lot more lord of the ringsy said that you know they're off on the ship and they're on an adventure and they run into dragons and they run into this and you know it's that it's a lot of fun and it's kind of a bummer that like it made us money it did pretty well I mean, none of them did quite as well as Line the Witch in the Wardrobe. Ever, every movie after that uh, made a bit less money, but it's totally made its money. And they, I just, uh, they uh, kind of kicking around. Who are they going to go back to this? They're going to restart it. What yeah, are they going to do? Uh, I think Netflix is gearing up for a series. Well, yeah. that might be a much mean, better approach. I think revisiting it all together, scrapping it, and going back to the drawing board is mm-hmm. probably the best idea. I mean, this should have been huge. This should have been a juggernaut because you this the Narnia books have been around forever, and so they mm. it would bring in generations of people who love these books, and so it. I feel like they should have been as big as Harry Potter, but for whatever reason, I think kind of maybe similar to the Dungeons and Dragons movie that we talked about in 1990, where mm. there's some ineffable quality sometimes that a, a, a movie that has a lot of fandom, if it just lacks, it's just not going to do it. And I don't even think people who are huge fans could maybe necessarily say what's missing. It's just like a chemistry thing. I feel like I'll take Lord of the Rings any day. God, I, are we going to be able to revisit that next year? Holy shit. I believe so. Holy shit. Um, that's an I exciting think, I think around this Christmas is when we get the, seer, the teaser trailers. Yeah. And oh, realize, my oh, my God. They're actually going to do this? Yeah. And, and, really? And, and I remember, like, I remember I'm on a podcast saying, like, 
shut up, John Favreau. You'll never make an Avengers movie. Nobody will. It's impossible. <laughs> but like the promise of Lord of the Rings, it is somewhere around this time where like all three are already shot. So this is a promise. We're getting all three of these. Whereas yep. Narnia, they're making movie by movie with five years in between. Like this was never going to happen. And uh, yeah, fare thee well, Narnia. None of us knew ye. Um, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> <laughs> moving into television of 2010, the 4th of December through the 10th. Uh, the Benson Interruption. Is this, it, is it the, the Comedy Central show? Yeah, so this is a really fun show that was on Comedy Central that I absolutely loved and I completely forgot about until literally today when I was doing research for the podcast. Um, this week is the penultimate episode, mm-hmm. uh, but it caught my eye because three of my favorite comedians were on the show this week, which is Brian Persane and Greg Proops and Tig Notaro. Mm-hmm. And right. the concept, yeah, I mean, just what a lineup. Mm-hmm. But the concept of it was basically Doug Benson would sit on stage while his friends would do stand-up, and then he would just interrupt right. them. He'd okay. just interrupt their act, you know, with his own asides I, or whatever. Because the, the interruption and, podcast is something he does with movies, or you can see as a live show, where they right. talk over well, movies. So this only went on for one season. It was just, and next week will be the last episode of the season. Um, but then he he turned it into a podcast called The okay. Benson Interruption. And then he also has Doug Loves Movies, which is another thing. And then yeah. I think there was like Doug Interrupts Movies at some point. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. But yeah, mm-hmm. this is just such a fun show. I completely forgot about it until today. And I'm so glad that I was reminded of it. And if you can find it, I think it's under, I think you can watch it through CBS All Access if you have access to that. It seems so to be I where all Comedy Central content has been abandoned. Yeah, I, I could not find a clip of it, and I was looking very hard, but it seems to be all locked behind CBS All Access. So, um, but I mean, all your favorite comedians were on the show, so especially it's the next episode, like TJ Miller and Adam Carolla. Um, oh, okay, maybe not. <laughs> that's why I wanted to pick this one instead of the finale. Everybody else next there is week. wonderful, um, <sighs> including Andy Daly, Sklar Brothers, yeah. Todd Berry. I'm a fan. And uh, I was shocked by this. I consider myself a pretty decent SNL expert. I wasn't positive De Niro ever hosted SNL. I I thought he'd only made cameo appearances. And now I know why I thought that, because the one he hosts is really wooden and weird. And Ben Stiller is there for the whole episode. Mm -hmm. They got something to plug. They got something to plug. And one guy is going to give his all in sketches. And one guy has no interest in delivering comedy lines live. (laughs) Um, Because his... His monologue, first of all, I want to say, because of the quarantine, my dad has never looked more like Robert De Niro. And, yeah. and just the, the long the long conductor hair that my dad has <laughs> right now. He says, yeah, it's the first time since the 60s. My hair has been this long. Uh, and, and, and he also does a monologue about how old he is and how confused he is about what's in New York. You know, you can go down to fabulous Epcot Center. And that that's the whole joke. And, he's, and he does, he barely wants to read it. <laughs> uh, it's, and it's not good. And the only the only thing I, I will take away from this, my favorite sketch is, of course, What Up With That, um, oh, yes. where they always include one huge celebrity they don't allow to talk, and De Niro was already there, and just for no reason, Robin Williams just sits in so he can not talk during What Up With That. <laughs> oh, God, on the 5th? Is the pre- premiere of Inside of Inside Game of Thrones. Wait, this is not the okay. this is not the post HBO streaming show. This is no. the show I so, always watch with you, no. Sarah. I saw this mm-hmm. and I could not find very much about it, but mm-hmm. I'm just throwing it out here because I 
do believe that this is like the HBO first look. You know how they would do like little yep. half hours of what's coming up. I believe that's this for Game of Thrones, which has already been filming basically okay. all this year of 2010 and will be premiering has, has a in complete, a couple of months. A completely yep. ditched pilot at this point has been filming yep. for yeah. probably a year. Right. Yeah. So they now they the pilot, mm-hmm. they recast part of it. They yeah. did it again. Yeah. So now I think this is the first look at what Game of Thrones is going to look like. And I don't really have much else to report from that. I could not find a clip from this little show or whatever, but I just kind of wanted to that is so cool. prime the pump because this is coming. That is so cool because <laughs> HBO is so great at that kind of propaganda, mm-hmm. uh, especially if there's like a movie I want to see that's coming out and they'll have a first look. And I used to tape them like, oh, I can't wait to watch <laughs> Multiplicity. This is so, <laughs> so good. Uh, things on HBO I wasn't watching in treatment, and that has its mm. finale. <laughs> is that the Gabriel Byrne therapy thing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and uh, it's like he's the therapist, and then he's also going to therapy, and I don't know. I, I've seen a couple episodes of it. I could never really get into it because I've been in a lot of therapy myself, and most of the time it's really boring. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, that's how, that's, you know, that's how yeah. my therapist always looks. <laughs> so I don't know. It's never been for me. I've never really seen anyone even really champion it. I do love Gabriel Byrne. I don't know if you're a fan mm-hmm. out there. Tell me why it went yeah, for three I've, seasons. I've heard people say that they they quite liked it, and I feel like they said they're rebooting it. It might it might be coming back. Like, okay. The only therapy cool. I want to see is between Melfi and Tony Soprano. Yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> on the night. Spoiler alert. Barbara Wawa's 10 most... Does she still do this? She's alive. <laughs> like, is she yeah. still doing her 10 most interesting people every year? I don't know. Uh, maybe she is, and we just don't care anymore. Sandra Bullock is there. So is LeBron James, uh, who famously called the president a bum. That's my favorite thing about him, so I don't like basketball. It's so old-timey. <laughs> it's so great. Yeah, bum. Yeah, bum. Like, did you get that from Joe Biden? His list of insults? Uh, no, but I, I see that Space Jam sequel is actually on the schedule to come out next year. Man, I cannot I believe, believe it. I, not only can I not believe it, like I'm, I hope the things that have been out there spoiling what's happening in that movie are fake as hell. I shouldn't even say anything because I'm pissed if it was really spoiled. Jersey Shore cast is here because they were incredibly popular 10 years ago. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it, it quite interesting qualifies. It this year. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a huge, wild yeah, phenomenon. a pop culture sensation yeah. that literally added things to the lexicon for better or for worse. And it if- truly. And mm. if you fucking grenades are going to disagree with me, I'm just going to go gym tan laundry on you. Uh, uh, Jennifer Lopez is also in here, as well as Kate Middleton and Sarah Palin. Interesting. Yes, mm. David Petraeus. Uh, how? How is Sarah Palin? <laughs> it's two years after she lost. I don't right? know. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Betty White, um, always interesting. Yeah. Tiger Woods. And, of course, Mark the sad robot Rob Zuckerberg. He is in here. <laughs> he also miss David Petraeus. The Petraeus. Yeah, I said Petraeus. Right. Oh, sorry. Yes. Uh, the 10 most interesting people, according to Baba Wawa. And finally, for real, the only game in town. I am I'm big on Christmas specials. I have watched this twice this year um, at this point, including one time not in December. My favorite Christmas special ever. I'm going to play for you the whole intro song because it makes me very happy. It's from the show Community, and Community has has they've done a couple of hard theme episodes, but as they go forward, yeah. they'll always redo the theme song, and I really appreciate that. It's even when they do a Western theme thing, it is the '88 theme song, um, and so is this. This is a Christmas version 
of the theme song for season two's Abed's Uncontrollable Christmas. Ten years old. Give me the snow, light up the trees, deck every hall, and while you can see, roast every nut, missile the toe. This needs to be the best Christmas, the original. 20,000 years from now, say, the most successful Christmas was today. Okay, we got him. We got him. He's down. This is one of the best Christmas episodes of anything. This is the best Christmas yeah. episode of anything ever. I'm happy to call it a Christmas special. Um, it, it it's even wonderful if you're binging Community. There are there's an episode all about flashbacks that flashbacks to new scenes from this episode. <laughs> um, but this is great. Um, Abed has a great explanation of it. All of a sudden, he wakes up one day and everything is in stop motion and everything is animated. And I feel like shows do a do a lot of things like this now, but like, you know, it's pretty novel 10 years ago that one episode is all stop motion, but there is a thematic in-story reason for that. Uh, yeah. Very clever. We're seeing it from his point of view. Mm-hmm. And so like, I mean, you're just sort of accepting like, oh, it's stop motion, you know, like Santa Claus is coming to town or Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And then to have the characters be like, wait, did you just say we're all stop motion? And you realize, yeah. oh, this is him hallucinating Let's that they're stop motion. <laughs> Joel McHale's lying. I say we ignore it. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. John and Oliver is, to... is, is, it's his most prominent role in the whole series where he plays the therapist who wants to figure out slash exploit whatever Abed's problem is that he's seeing everyone stop motion animated in a Christmas special. It just gets to this, this beautiful little storyline that Abed's from a broken family and his mother has just had a baby with her new husband and can't come watch Rudolph with him on December 9th like she's done every year since he was a kid. And he's built this fantasy world to ignore that reality and yep. has to and, and like you gotta go down the gumdrop road to the, the cave of forgotten memories or yeah <laughs> the cave of forgotten memories with so many no. great lines like a uh, donald glover screaming at john who taught you therapy michael jackson's dad and so, <laughs> <laughs> i love this I, yes. I cry at the i've cried at the end of this twice this year that this the, the song at the end and then you just you never see a real person until they turn off the Christmas special and they're reflected in the television. It's so good. Yeah. So I, I was digging into this because, yeah, I think this is a fit. It's so freaking audacious. Yeah. So I got into the behind the scenes. It oh, took yeah. four months to yeah. animate this. Goodness. And I can't remember. They had to make all of the models and all of the armatures and they have like 50, 50 different mouths for every character so they can move their mouths in different syllables and their eyebrows and their eye you know their eyelids move and you know just just having them walk down a road it's like well that took three weeks <laughs> there, i oh i noticed on, on there's oh, there's a making of on youtube you can see yeah i know i noticed in this one they they have to cover up certain things because they were clearly working very fast and there's a uh, one point when they're walking you can clearly see there's some matte stuff trying to hide whatever mistake was made and there's no time to fix it and yeah. and it's it's done through uh i'm a big comedy nerd Dino Samatopoulos, who plays Starburns on the show, also was the creator of Moral Oral, a show on, I think, airing simultaneously and eventually Frankenhole. And mm-hmm. this, they had a stop motion production facility, and I'm pretty sure they helped them. That's probably where the genesis. They both wrote the episode. Yeah. Dan yeah, Harmon and Dino Samatopoulos. There's literally hundreds of people involved to make this, and it's when you start thinking about it that way and thinking every gag 
how it had to be animated. And now there's the Christmas train. And oh, now Christmas pterodactyl. He's, he has to move like he's got to move like a teddy bear. Yeah. <laughs> and oh. How do you make the Jack in the Box walk? And I was like, oh God, it is so elaborate, and it's and yet it's also seriously funny. It's mm. it's so funny and so good and so moving. I I am more than willing to qualified as a, a special a christmas special because there's something truly wonderful and special and unique about this and community has a lot of episodes you can say that about but like i don't know this one the work shows the how uh, how elaborate this is and that it's like a meaningful piece of canon it is not separate from the show in any way it hmm. uh yeah i i really can't recommend it enough <laughs> yeah but, i know this is what the third or fourth week where we've hit each community episode because yeah. They're, they're all just, so good. Why not? You know? We're just in a stretch where everyone has just been better than the last. Mm-hmm. And it is a really tough call whether I like this Christmas one or the musical Glee Christmas. It's so good. Baby Boober Sand is born in 1945. <laughs> yeah, it is really tough. I mean, that one I think might be funnier. It, boopy doopy doop boop This one sex. is way more. This one is so heartfelt, though, and it's well, we have, with so many good jokes, and you still like, oh, I get the feels. Hopefully have a laser time of where we're going to try and find the meaning of Christmas through pop culture, and I think this has, in 100% earnestness actuality, the best explanation of what Christmas means. Christmas is meaningful because we give it meaning, and... Mm-hmm. And it can it can it can mean different things to everybody. <laughs> and of course, this is analogized with the first season of Lost on DVD. It's it's beautiful. Like everything <laughs> about this episode is beautiful. It is fucking wonderful. Um, All right, I definitely have to revisit this. Revisit then. this. It is uh it is like an eighteen minute watch, and yeah. uh, every second of it is super satisfying. As long as you've watched a little Community before, but um, oh yeah, yeah, I've seen. I mean, and I've definitely seen this episode before. I just, it's been a little while, but now it's the perfect time to revisit it. Yes. So yeah. It's atmosphere 7% cinnamon. Uh, Please watch this. It makes me very, very, very happy. If you've watched Community, it may not make a ton of sense. Yeah, because it is very based in the specific characters. Yep. Abed's Uncontrollable Christmas. Abed's Uncontrollable Christmas, season two, episode eight. It's on Netflix right now, worldwide, I believe. And uh, and and Hulu, if you love commercials. Uh, <laughs> video games out this week, December fourth through the tenth. It's weird. I know a bunch of people are waiting for one game this December, but December usually slows down around this point. The the big ones, anyway. Um, I see Hello Kitty Seasons is out on the Wii. Oh, and for me, Tron Evolution. And Tron Evolution Battle Grids are out this week. <laughs> Two Tron games to coincide with, I don't know, maybe a game of some kind. In a world where we get free games all the time, this was a very rare free game for Xbox users. Doritos Crash Course was out this week. <laughs> what? Um, yeah, if you want to, like, at this time, uh, and I think we're, po- are we podcasting at this point? Um, yeah, we are. Like, we're all achievement hunters, so a free game meant free achievements. So, like, we definitely all played this in the office. Um, Dead Rising Mobile, I didn't see that. Infinity Blade is out, which is, it's like if Lord of the Rings met Punch-Out, uh, uh, an, uh, <laughs> a game from Epic. One of the best mobile games, I think, ever made, Infinity Blade. And uh, Battlefield Bad Company 2 Vietnam. That's the last one yeah. I'll mention is out this week. Um, the second and last game in the Battlefield Bad Company series. Battlefield being a, a multiplayer shooter that didn't have much of a campaign and didn't have much for characters. They just decided to take that formula and try and give it a 
robust campaign and characters. And it, I know it got well-reviewed, but not a lot of people played it. This is the last one. That is about it for the show. Thank you guys so much for listening, but stay tuned because we're going to tell you who lived and who died during this period. Uh, be sure to check out lasertimepodcast.com for more of these shows. We'll be... Uh, and patreon.com slash laser time. Thank you guys so much for your support there, especially our executive producer level people like Wes Green. Di, where can people find you? They can find me on the Twitter at listenernerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast, 302010podcast. And next week, it goes crazy around here. <laughs> it is <laughs> one of the busiest weeks we have ever had. We have a ton of movies. They are all really notable in one way or another thank god there's no like dungeons and dragons hiding in there to just fuck everything up because we've got a a hat trick from winona Ryder. okay and a lot of bad things are happening to her okay she's getting hit by cars she's letting her little sister drown she's got a boyfriend who ain't got hands it's hard um Yeah. yeah Also, next week, we get to talk about one of my favorite Christmas episodes of a television program ever. Oh, okay. Very oh. excited about. Was and that... guess what? It's very depressing. <laughs> well, I mean, I tried to do yeah. I tried to do a show about that a few years ago. I did it was a, it's a show I, I didn't really work, but like every time I was trying to explain it my my girl, every the thing I like about most good Christmas specials is that you have to get super dark to bring people back. We were watching It's yes. a Wonderful Life and like that dude is on the brink of suicide because he thinks it, because of his life insurance policy, his life is worth more gone than it is continuing to support his family and children. It's incredibly dark. So that for me it's the darker the better and Abed's uncontrollable Christmas has a very real darkness to it. It is not just a fun episode. Yeah, well the one we'll be talking about is from 2000 and it's super dark and super special, so I'm excited okay. to talk about it. I'm going to guess mm. Real Housewives of the Gilmore Girls. Oh my god, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you jerk. I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> Please listen to us next week. With that, die. Who who is who died during this period of thirty twenty ten December fourth to the twenty the fourth to the tenth of uh, three decades. Well, we lost two eighty year olds in the year two thousand. Mm-hmm. I had to double check and make sure they don't have the same birthday too, because that would be weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, in two thousand we lost Marie Windsor, who's sort of like the lady in half of all film noirs. She's just she's in a ton of them, mm-hmm. and we lost Werner Klemperer, who. You should probably make a movie about. I mean, most people know him as like Colonel Clint from Hogan's Heroes. Yeah, I think he was a a Jewish guy who escaped the Nazis and then spent his whole career playing Nazis. Wow, that's fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking weird. That man. needs a movie. Yeah, I'm yeah. in. And without further ado, those are those who are dead are in the past, but these are the people who have been born during this period of 302010. Uh, birthday quiz. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. Happy 60th birthday to this guy, born December 10th, 1960, in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Daniel uh, Davis. Fair guess. No. Uh, Colin uh, Farrell. If we're just doing this. Stop it. Okay. Let me say my thing. Okay. I did research. All right, all right. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Uh, his family moved to England to avoid the troubles, and he was bullied for his accent so much he cultivated a perfect posh. Receive pronunciation accent. Yeah. When you think this guy, you think British diction. No. Uh, He studied the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts and worked at the Royal Shakespeare Company, where he was directed by Judi Dench and Derek Jacobi, and he still collaborates with them almost 40 years later. Colin Firth. No. 
Damn it! That red-haired guy who does all the Shakespeare stuff. Uh, Rupert Grint. No. <laughs> Did I get it? I got it right. <laughs> I want to keep on say Eric Stoltz. It's not him. No, no it's not Eric Stoltz. Branagh. Eric. Eric Branagh. Ken, Kenneth Ken, Branagh. Ken, Kenneth. Kenneth Branagh. Bra- it is Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> I said the name first. Me. Everybody. Uh, I mean, he has red hair and he does all the Shakespeare. He does, does all the Shakespeare. He <laughs> said to this climb is- my way. Through. <laughs> eventually got there okay more things uh i did not know he holds a record for being nominated for five oscars each in different categories actor supporting actor director adaptive screenplay and live action short the short really yeah. throws it off yeah the short is like huh It'd be cool oh, if it was okay. like costume design you're like oh that would be pretty good yeah <laughs> um and films of his we have talked about include a month in the country a theory of flight celebrity valkyrie sleuth Loves Labor's Lost, The Gingerbread Man. I should mention some of these he's acting in, some of them he directed. Uh, Gingerbread Man, Hamlet, Road to El Dorado, Wild Wild West, Henry V. And then next year, it is back on for Kenneth Branagh because we are talking Thor. Thor. And we are talking Dead Again, a movie that needs respect. I freaking love Dead Again. Hmm. It's so good. Okay. And it's got Derek Jacoby. Anyway, happy birthday, Kenneth Branagh. Happy Happy birthday, Kenneth Branagh. Happy birthday. Oh, and speaking of... And to celebrate you... (laughs) (laughs) To celebrate the new Olivier, I think we should play Do the Bark. <laughs> How well, else? It's the traditional way. A a song secretly written by Michael Jackson. He did not want his name on it. Um, I would I, not because of any nefarious. I think just because uh, contractually he couldn't even be in that episode and have his real name credited. And he probably had a record contract and could only make songs for certain companies but loved bart so much trying not to think about it i can't um and you can't even watch the episode that michael jackson is in in most places anymore but the do the bartman video is a little slice of wonderful especially if you're my age it's a huge part of your childhood where like you're sort of discovering music through your favorite cartoon characters anyway a lot of us had mickey mouse albums and shit growing up and it was really cool to see our new bold rival deep deep trouble kid do a song all about how cool he was and came up with his own dance in the video if you can find it i've tried to put it online several times and i am swatted to the ground harder than like anything <laughs> i've experienced uh before but do the bartman video is great a brad bird of iron giant and ratatouille fame original it's fucking great um all right we will head out with do the bartman tell a friend about the show patreon.com slash laser time we love you see you next week Bye.